0: What's good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the I'ma Tell Like a T.I.S. podcast with your host, Jai Shields. We've got a jam-packed busy show for you this week. Lots to do t- as far as the NFL Draft is concerned. I'll get to that for sure um, in this uh, episode. Also talk about The Last Dance, the ten-part, or is it the nine? I think it's a nine-part uh, documentary series. Oh, no, it's ten-part. Ten-part documentary series on... Michael Jordan's '97, '98 Chicago Bulls. I'll get to that a little bit later on in the program, and my uh, football coach, advisor at school, good buddy of mine, Coach Brendan Ireton of Archbishop Curley's football program here in Baltimore, will join us here this uh, on this week's episode of your favorite little uh, sports talk uh podcast. So um hope everyone's been doing well, doing okay. Hope everybody's been safe out there in our podcast land. Um so get to the NFL draft right now and let me just say, let me start off with this. My Cincinnati Bengals are on the come up. They are on the come up, ladies and gentlemen, because we got our guy, my guy. Your guy, Heisman Trophy winner, national champion quarterback, Joseph Burrow out of Louisiana State University. It's been talked about, it went from tanking for Tua, to bungling for Burrow, and I am so glad. After my Cincinnati Bengals stunk up the joint like you wouldn't believe, being the worst team in the NFL in 2019 with a 2-14 and record, it makes my heart tingle with joy and anticipation that my Cincinnati Bengals have found our franchise quarterback in Joe Burrow. I've I, I am excited. I am hyped. I am thrilled. I am happy beyond what words can express. I I am bouncing off the walls with anticipation and with excitement that my Cincinnati Bengals have found their guy, their quarterback, in Joe Burrow, who, like, I believe it was Boomer Sison, if, and if it wasn't, I apologize, but LeBron James... How LeBron James, a kid from Akron, Ohio, which is pretty much in Cleveland suburb. But Akron, Ohio, saved a team that was going through years, years of futility and underachieving as far as the Cleveland, Cav- Cleveland Cavaliers are concerned. What happened? Cavs drafted him, one of the top picks in the 2003 NBA draft. And what happened? He became the quote-unquote savior of the Cleveland Cavaliers franchise, brought him to relevancy, took him to quite a few NBA finals, and won them a championship. And that, my friends, ladies and gentlemen out there listening, that is what I anticipate Joe Burrow will do for my Cincinnati Bengals. He will bring us up from the abyss of being a legacy of failure. Legacy of failure running since 1968. He will bring us up. He will rise us up out of the ground. He will he will bring apart a winning culture to this team. He will bring apart a winning attitude to this team. And he will, with help from Zach Taylor... And the the draft picks that we accumulated, and I'll get to that with Coach Everton next segment, and with guys that's been there for a decent amount of time, and Geno Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, A.J. Green, if he stays long-term, and Joe Mixon that's a couple of years under his belt, and Tyler Boyd, for that matter, we will build up this franchise, a franchise that's been downtrodden and hasn't won a playoff game since since the early 90s hasn't won a playoff game and what's going on 30 years and they haven't been in the playoffs since 2015 when they melted down like an ice cream cone in 90 degree weather against the rival Pittsburgh Steelers but Joe burrow I believe. Will raise this franchise up from the dead, out of the ground, and will turn the Cincinnati Bengals in a, into a first-class winning organization. I'm talking winning playoff games. I'm talking making the play, making the playoffs on a consistent basis, like Andy did. Um, as a, as a first step, winning playoff games making a couple appearances in AFC Championship games, and I'm talking appearing and winning Super Bowls. I believe in my heart of hearts right now, as I'm sitting here, Joe Burrow has what it takes to build the Cincinnati Bengals into possibly the NFL's next dynasty for the 2020s and beyond. I firmly, in my heart of hearts, believe that Zach Taylor, who has the ha, who has the demeanor and has that attitude that he wants to win and he wants to be successful for the for the for the players that he coaches and for the fan base. He just he has that certain demeanor about him that he just wants to go out there and win and and, and kick everybody's home parts to do it. Remember, this is a quarterback coach that that took uh, Jared Goff to the Super Bowl that helped them outplay Drew Brees on the road in a raucous environment in the Superdome to go to a Super Bowl. Zach Taylor has what it takes. I firmly believe that, and I firmly believe that Burrow has that. This oh you know, the Bengals are the Bungles. They, they don't win. They don't do this. They don't do that. They're garbage organization. They're this. They're that. Joe Burrow and Taylor are going to fix that. They're going to fix that. It's going to be the roaring 20s for my Cincinnati Bengals. You better believe it. My Bengals are going to come out. They're going to rebuild. They're going to do what it takes to build a winning team. And once we're finished with the building part, look out, look out, NFL. Because we are going to roar as loud and as powerful as possible this decade. I'm trying to tell y'all, it's the Roaring Twenties. And Joe Burrow is going to turn my Cincinnati Bengals from a laughing stock to a Super Bowl favorite. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen in 2020, 2021, 2022. Of course, Rome was not built overnight. I understand all that. And it's a process. Building blocks. I understand all that. But Joe Burrow is going to do what it takes. He and Zach Taylor together. Those, those Those are the poster boys of this new movement here. I firmly believe those two men... Will not only bring Cincinnati back to relevancy, but will make them one of the top teams in the AFC, if not in all of football. Don't believe me. Just watch. That's out of number. And uh, by the way, go to the show's Twitter page, at Amatel underscore it, is, where you can... Uh cast your uh g- where you can answer the poll question. Will Joe Burrow win the Bengals their first Super Bowl championship? That's at the Amatel like a T. I. Is, uh podcast Twitter page. You can follow the podcast at Amatel underscore it TIS and follow yours truly on Twitter at the J Shield. Again the question, will Joe Burrow win the Bengals their first Super Bowl championship? But that's i number one. I'm number two. Okay. Was with the quarterbacks of two NFC teams that really left me scratching my head. <sighs> the Green Bay Packers traded up late in the first round on Thursday night to draft Jordan Love. Why they did this, I have no idea. Okay, this is the Green Bay Packers team that has Aaron Rodgers, who, when everything goes well and everything works right, is one of the top five, if not top three, quarterbacks in all of football. Let's get Aaron Rodgers as a no doubt future Hall of Famer. No doubt Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. Many Pro Bowl appearances, MVPs, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. The guy has proved his worth as an NFL quarterback. If if he would if he would, if he were to retire tomorrow, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. But let me get this straight: you are a Green Bay Packers team that has a new coach, and Matt Lafleur, who won your division. Went 13-3 and made it to the NFC Championship game for the first time since 2016 when you got beat by the Atlanta Falcons in the last game ever in the history of the Georgia Dome. You beat the Seattle Seahawks 28-3 in the divisional round. Because your offense put it away late with help of of the heroics of Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Graham. You had five pro bowlers on your team. Aaron Rodgers, your offensive tackle, David Bahitri, whatever his name is, Devontae Adams, Sidarius Smith, and Kenny Clark. And you had an all-pro in David Back here, as at left tackle. One of the second seed in the NFC with a first round bye. And here you're looking at a season where Aaron Rodgers is going to be. You're looking at a season where Aaron Rodgers is going to be 37 years old. By the end of the season. Who isn't getting any younger. And. And it's going to be. What? 10 seasons. Since he won his first. And only Super Bowl in 2010. With, with McCarthy. And Woodson. And Donald Driver. And Greg Jennings. Going 10 years. 10 seasons. Since his last Super Bowl. He's going to be 37 by the time the 2020 season, if we have a 2020 season, wraps up in December. And you go out and you get, but you you trade up to get him. You trade up in the first round after coming off the season, where a combined score was 50 to nothing, and the two games you played against the San Francisco 49ers on the Sunday night game and the NFC Championship. Combined first half score was fifty to nothing. Where at? Did didn't even you didn't even bother to show up for the game. Your offense was not a factor. Your defense, Raheem Mozart, still running on that defense. Mike Pettin, <clears throat> Vince Lombardi, he is not. But you're coming off of an NFC Championship season you trade up with your first with your first round pick and you guys sign a quarterback that at a Utah state who was a project nevertheless and went and threw, who threw 20 touchdowns 17 interceptions and has a completion percentage of barely over 60 with their first-round pick in the draft. Really? Really? 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions, and a completion percentage barely over 60. And it goes to Utah State. Okay, he he he's not Burrow going up. He's not Burrow, let alone Jake Fromm, who's going up against uh, who's going up against SEC uh, talent, and pretty much eighty percent of the guys that you know that play on SEC football teams they end up going pro. You know, Fromm's going up against LSU, Auburn, Alabama defenses. Burrow's going up against Georgia. Auburn, Alabama defenses. Okay, Utah State. Okay, and that's not saying anything against Utah State, but let's be honest it's it's, it's not Clemson, it's not LSU. Okay, let's let's be fair here. And you all go out with Aaron Rice is gonna be thirty three by the end of next season. You go out and you get a and you get a quarterback with your first round pick. Are you kidding me now? Really? Who 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 projected him to to beat to go first round? One me. Not that it says much but but still. Jordan Love a guy whose completion percentage is barely over 60 who 20 touchdowns, 17 interceptions in 2019. And again, this isn't like Aaron Rodgers, this is his last season. Last last few years a last few years, I Drew Brees. He came right out and said that he that he wants to you know that he wants to play for a little while. A little, a little while longer. And coming off of an NFC championship game appearance where your defense was ran rampant all over by Raheem Mozart, who went nuts in the game. And your offense, who didn't bother to show up until the third, qu- till late in the third quarter, you go out with your first round pick, and you get a backup quarterback who's a project. Really? I mean, but that has to be one of the most mind-boggling, head-scratching, the most asinine drafting decisions I I, I I've seen in in a, in a decent amount of time. You could. Go- Jordan Love out of Utah State when Aaron Rodgers is sitting there and still wants to play a handful of seasons and you're coming off the season where, again, your defense was non-existent in a championship game. It didn't bother to show up. Okay? It was absolutely embarrassed. Your offense didn't bother to show up until mid-late third quarter when the game was over with. Okay, the combined score and the two first halves you played against the 49ers was 50 to nothing. Raheem Mozart rushed for 220 rushing yards on 29 carries and rushed for four touchdowns. Four. Four touchdowns, 220 yards. Lit you all up like a Christmas tree. Your offense didn't bother to show up until the second half. The offense didn't bother to show up until the fourth quarter. And by that time, the game was already decided and over with to begin with in the first place anyway. And you all draft with the first round pick that you traded up to get, you get Jordan Love. That's an absolute disgrace. An absolute disgrace. And I'm supposed to take Matt LaFleur seriously as a big time NFL head coach. Really? coaching the same team in the same stadium that Lombardi coached that and with I gotta take him seriously as a big time coach when he got embarrassed by the same team in in a two month period and he goes out with his first round pick and drafts a quarterback who's a project when Aaron Rodgers when Aaron Rodgers doesn't have help Yeah, he hasn't had a de- really. They, I mean, Devontae Adams, and that's it. But do, do they bother replacing Jordan Nelson? No. Do they do they bother uh, replacing Jimmy Graham? Who replacing Jimmy Graham? Who left? No. I mean, I mean, seriously. You you don't get help for your franchise quarterback. Who said he's going to be there a couple of more seasons. And you go out and you, and you draft a project in Jordan Love out of Utah State. Who one more time has a completion percentage barely over 60. And and his touchdown to interception differential is 3. We got embarrassed by the same team in the first half 50 to nothing. When you played them twice in a three month period. And and another thing, why in the world did the Eagles uh, draft Jalen Hurts with their second round pick? I understand why. You you draft you draft Jalen Hurts with your second overall with your second pick and the second you with your second round pick. Explain 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 me that Philly. Explain to me why you drafted Jalen Hurts with your second round pick. Okay, you just got Nick Foles out of there because you wanted Nick you wanted Carson wants to know that it was his team and his franchise and his football team. You you let you let go a, a quarterback that brought you guys your first Super Bowl championship and franchise history who won an MVP who beat and who beat the greatest quarterback coach combination in the history of the sport in Brady and Belichick. As it, like let Carson Wentz know, this is your team. You know, we're grateful for what Nick Foles did, but you're a franchise quarterback. You are our guy, Carson Wentz. And you go out and you draft and you draft Jalen Hurts. Really? What you want? You want? You want? Howie Roseman wants to give you a standing ovation. You want us to give you a standing ovation because you drafted a wide receiver in the first round. Big deal. Draft some more wide receivers, because because of anything. Told you from last year, you can you can never have enough solid wide receivers. I mean, you were you were down the guys who were on the practice squad. So your, so your receiver's always hurt, and he had a receiver there in Aguilar who, who couldn't catch the coronavirus if he stood two feet on top of someone who, who was infected by it he couldn't catch anything he't he couldn't, he couldn't catch the coronavirus if, if he licked the toilet clean he hes was terrible he stinks. Not to mention your wide receiving core was always was always hurt to the point you were forced to start. ESPN put up the graphic. They were forced to start a bunch of guys that came off the practice squad. And they draft Jalen Hurts after they, after they coming off of an offseason, where they literally said bye-bye to Nick Foles. This time last year, Nick Foles out the door. Free agent. We're thankful. We, you know, championship got your statue, but Carson Wentz is our guy. See ya. And you turn around a year later after you let go your Super Bowl MVP quarterback Nick Foles, and you draft Jalen Hurts. Really? I I understand that you couldn't, you know, basically pay Nick Foles for the job that he did, get winning you guys the Super Bowl, and then have a and then have a franchise quarterback. I understand all that you know and and there'd be a power struggle between Carson I understand that but still Jalen Hurts is no scrub he's he's, he's a competent quarterback so make up your mind Philly is it Carson Wentz's team or is it Jalen Hurts team because you can't have you can't have it both ways you can't you can't say goodbye to Nick Foles and then a season late and then an off season later you know a, literally a year later the next spring draft in a competent quarterback who's been in national championships with Alabama and took um, Oklahoma to a college fo- to the uh, to the uh, college football uh, playoff game. Where they got spanked by LSU. You you can't have it both ways, Philly. Make up your mind. You want Wentz to be your future or Hurts? Because you can't have both. I understand Carson Wentz. there's, there's There's a threat of injury there. I get that and I understand all that. But still, you can't have it both ways. Make up your mind, one or the other. Take a break. Coach i Tim will join us. Talk NFL draft and we'll get to some other things. I'm going to tell like a T.I. is right after this. Back to the Talking is podcast. Joining me now for the first time ever, making his debut on this uh, dopey podcast, um, is a good friend of mine, an advisor at my high school, Archbishop Curley High School here in Baltimore. And at one time or another, hard to believe, but my football coach for, for uh, the fall of 2019. Welcome, my buddy. Uh, coach brendan ireton coach ireton how are you today all right pal i'm doing good job man excited to be on excited to get rolling (laughs) i hear you so um i've asked this with every guest that i've had since we've been um and shut in because of this uh virus but how has um How, how's, how's the virus affected you personally? What's, what's been your day, day in, day out little routine you've had going on for about a month and a few weeks? What's, what's, what's the situation?
1: Well, uh, you know, the wife and I were working at home, so we got, and we got our four-year-old daughter Sadie staying with us. So, uh, while she works, I uh, take a lot of naps and,
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) I <laughs> uh, try
1: to work out, but most of you know, try to chase my daughter around. So she's um we obviously she's not going to daycare, so I gotta stay home. We do a lot of stuff right. with her, um trying to do some lessons, that kind of thing. And then just gotta keep away from my uh my wife while she's doing uh, business calls, that kind of thing.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. I get it. I remember being—I remember being around that age, man. Every single moment, my father was home because he worked nights, of course. But every moment that my father was home, I would get a kick out of it. Being four years old, having dad home all day every day, <laughs> but uh, that's nice. It's nice. Um. Uh, so what's do? You, so what's your opinion on like the virus in general? You know, I—I said that you know that. China, you, both U.S. and Chinese government have done a have done a bad job, and how it's also fault of the regular American citizens for not basically having basic hygiene. You know, going to take a crap and then coming out <laughs> not washing their hands and all that sort of stuff. But give give me your thoughts on like the virus. You know, who's who's at fault? You know, what can we learn from this? What what's your, what's your takeaway from from this whole virus? Order? I mean,
1: I, I think the biggest thing is that nobody really knows what's going on. and Nobody really knows, um, you know, how, how this is really spreading around, that kind of thing. And, and you can kind of point fingers and blame each other, but you really nobody really knows. I mean, you go on – like today I was looking at uh, different websites for uh, updated stats, and not one – you know, not two sites have the same numbers. So <laughs> – you know, and to me, it's like crazy to kind of look at China's numbers and then look at our numbers and then see like such a huge impact. So, like, I guess the biggest thing, from my perspective is, is like, you know, you're just not getting 100% honesty from anybody, and um, it, it's it's a shame because you got a lot of people at home not wanting to be like. You got to think of all the mental aspects that's probably driving people nuts sitting at home. They just want answers. Mm-hmm. And they just want to return to work. Right. They just want to return to their lives. And, um, you know, because I, you know, because we're not getting told the truth, like who knows what's, you know, who knows?
0: So. Yep. I just, yeah. Yeah. I, total, I totally get it, man. People want answers and they want a cure and they want to get back to work. Um, So, so you've been at. What well, so tell the listeners, um, or give me a refresher because I haven't seen you face to face in over a month. But uh, give, give the uh, listeners a uh, take. So, you're head coach, Archbishop Curley High School for the football program. Tell the listeners how long you've been there. Give them like a backstory of your situation as far as being a coach is concerned, yeah, sure.
1: School. So um, when I was in college played college football um, my dad was my high school head coach at John Carroll and uh, when I graduated college I, I know I wanted I knew I wanted to start coaching and um, but I, it was like I kind of had to map out a plan to make it work so then I decided that I was going to become a teacher where I could you know do the coach and teacher thing at the high school level I was kind of burnt out from college to be honest with you um it, it, it's a grind and I just wanted to jump into the high school game and kind of give back and I wanted to get back to my high school because my dad was still there and I was fortunate enough to do a year of John Carroll with my dad that was his last season um but after that season I I struck up a really good relationship with one of our coaches my first year coach Jeff Jeff race and at the end of the year you know my dad
0: Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs>
1: so oh man, I got some stories from the first year. You guys think he's <laughs> intense now, you've just seen that first year. But um so when when my dad was done with coaching John Carroll, there was it was kind of up in the air what I was gonna do after that. Like I didn't really like I was still young, I think I was twenty two years old. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't know like the coach the people in the coaching world that well, and it just so happened that coach Jeff got asked to be a JV coach at Curly. And he called me up and asked me if I wanted to come along. And I said, you know what? I said, I want to keep coaching. So I, I tagged along. And so that mm-hmm. was my second year coaching was my, my start of the, my first tenure at Curly. I did um, – mm-hmm. first year I did an assistant on JV. My second year, we did. I started off on JV as the defensive coordinator, and then we had a coaching change. So then Mm -hmm. I got, took over the varsity defense, I think three games into the season. Um, So I'm Mm -hmm. probably 23 at this time, get my first varsity defensive coordinators, you know, opportunity. Um, And to be honest with you, that kind of like that year, I think it was 2009, that season really kind of, in my opinion, in my eyes, developed to me as a coach. Um, our varsity team was struggling. We had, um, we had some guys that were brand new varsity guys. We had a lot of, they um, had a lot of potential, but they started off. The varsity started off really rough that year, and they couldn't. It was kind of like in a spiral that they couldn't get out of. And first game up, right. We won, but it, it was a struggle the rest of the year. So we that team started off 0-4. I came up. I think we won the first game. And I think we won three of the last six or something like that. And um, mm-hmm. and we, we pretty much returned the whole team the following year. So we knew it was going to be a big offseason. So as a coach, I was getting really into it. I was getting more into it. Um, so I pretty much decided that I was going to do whatever I could to make this, you know, a uh, long time thing of mine. So I, I dedicated that whole off season after 2009 to making myself a better coach. And I put everything I could into it. And, um, you know, we had a really good year. I think we won nine. We, we tied a tied – in 2010, we tied a uh, school record with nine wins at the time and, and ended up winning the first playoff game in school history. And uh, we lost the championship by a touchdown. But that's when, like, to me, it was like, man, I, I really want to be a head coach. At the high school level. And mm-hmm. um, so I did one more year at Curly after that. So I did four total years of Curly, then got a head coaching opportunity at Kent County High School. to a public school in East Shore. I think I was 26 at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a program that was struggling. And they had won, I think, honestly, I think they had won three games in three years before I got there. And it was it was a team that had a lot mm-hmm. of history back in the 90s and the late 80s where they had won two state championships, I think 88, 89, and, and was a runner up in 96. And when that coach stepped down, it had a big drop off and it had been like 17 mm-hmm. or 18 years where, um, you know, they, they had losing records. So I took that job and we did really well. We, we kind of built it from the bottom up. We had uh, put together some really good coaches, had some really good players buy into what we were doing. And, um, and then by, the fifth year that I was there, so I was there for six years, and the fifth year I was there, we uh, we won a regional championship. So it was, like, the first regional championship they had they had won since 96. We also won the first playoff game. My third year was, like, the first one in, like, 20 years or something like that. So, um, And then when we beat – we won the regional championship we had beaten Cambridge, and that was, like, the first win over Cambridge High School in, I think, 27 or 28 attempts. So that was like, that was kind of like our mountaintop that we had to get. And um, so after that, I kind of, we, um, my wife and I, we had our first daughter our first baby and uh, we started to, to shoot, kick around the idea of getting back into the area. Um, and luckily, you know, Curly had a position open up um, and it, it just worked out. You know, I had some other opportunities to interview at other places and, boy, it, I mean, it didn't work out. And it, in, in my opinion, it worked out the best for us. So we just ended up being a Curly and, and um, just spent some second year there. We, I mean, I, I feel like in a two-year span, we've done a really good job of building something. You were part of it this year, so you know. Right. Uh, and to me, I feel yeah. like – to me, it's, it's more about building our culture. Because if you can build a culture, the, the wins yeah. are going to come. And I just think that, like, right. yeah, from seeing – our progress this year, you could clearly see the difference um, among the team culture from the year before compared to this year. And uh, it's just been awesome yeah. experience. You guys, I love being around you guys and practice. The coaches love being around you guys. Um, you know, even though at times some, some of us are like, guys, ah, it, it's, you know, gets tired of seeing one another during the season, but it's a grind, so it's expected. But, <laughs> but um, it is, at the end yeah. of the day, when you got guys like, you know, Guys like yourself, guys like Devin, Julian, uh, Biggs, Josh. There's other guys. You know, even Trevor Garrett. A lot of those guys are. You know, you guys put your heart and soul on everything you guys want to do this year, and it really made um, the progress that we made this season, year two, a big difference.
0: Yeah, you, you because uh, he goes into that, guys. Because um, our program went two and eight in 2018. And we came back. I made I made the team in the month of uh, August, and he turned around, and we went eight and – what was the seven and one, three? And seven five. and three. So, yeah, went seven we – came back two and eight to seven and three in a one-year uh, one time span Now, you got to – now, Jai, you got to remember, like, your senior class,
1: right, you got – those guys yeah. went through three different head coaches on the varsity level, and, um, right. you know – So that's three different transitions, right? And just for Mm – I I think for what this team, your team, your senior year was able to accomplish, considering everything that happened, I mean, it just like – it just speaks to, you know, to your guys' dedication and commitment to turning this thing around. So uh, before anything, I just – you know, like the seniors, man, you guys are – you guys are one of the main reasons for this turnaround.
0: Yeah. I mean, guys like uh, Devin Thompson, running back Jules, his uh, the one, the uh, two-headed monster in the backfield, with Josh Knapp, the hard-hitting white boy that plays safety. I mean, yeah, y'all, y'all should have came out to one of our games, boy. We do so do some impressive stuff that would uh, make Vince Lombardi proud. I tell you that right now. But um, so how good? So you say you played uh, football in college? How good? Now, be honest. Don't don't lie. Don't embellish. But how good of a football player were you in college? Um, I, you know,
1: I would say I was a good player. I mean, I, I don't like – I don't really talk about myself like that. I had opportunities to start games as a freshman. So I started two games as a freshman uh, where it was like me and one other guy that only started games that year as a freshman. And um, you, so I had a lot of good experience as a, fre- as a freshman. So I started two games as a freshman. Um started a couple games and, and wrote and played in every game as a sophomore. And then my the last two years I started I was full time starter. So I mean you could technically you could say, you know, started four years, whatever, but um I would say I was a good player. I mean, you know, I I had strengths and I had weaknesses and my ability and I think the coaches really took advantage of um of those of those abilities. You know, I was I kind of I was a hybrid right. Linebacker safety type player. Um, I would say, you know, Mm -hmm. I I was not athletic enough to be an over the top safety, but I was what I was good at was playing in the slot on deep like playing over top slot receivers and being able to play off the edge and play out in space as a defensive player. So, um, I, you know, I could, I could blitz Mm -hmm. off the edge. I could, you know, I was actually a better man cover guy than I was a zone coverage guy, but, um, and, and the, so they just played to my strengths. Now my senior year, we had some injuries and we switched defenses. So we, so I actually got switched to a true linebacker to a box linebacker. And I didn't know, um, it was my first time ever playing like inside the box. So uh-huh. I would say I struggled with it. I mean, I had a lot of ups and downs and um, it, was, it was a big learning experience. And, and, you know, one of my best friends in my life was my roommate. So I got, you know, got that out of it, but I also played, you know, four cops across um, with it. So, but, I think at the end, like, if, if I go back and do it again, I'd I probably focus more on, like, this is me seeing this now. Like, I'd probably focus more on the football side of things and just playing football. You know, I don't regret anything mm-hmm. that, that happened. I just, you know, the one thing I miss is um, just being around the guys. And, um, you know, it, it, it taught me a lot about myself, and right? I think that experience really prepared me as a, for as being a coach
0: yeah why didn't you why didn't you go into coaching lacrosse um
1: you I you know it's funny it's, when I was at Kent County I was the head lacrosse coach there too so so I've coached I've coached lacrosse before I wow. just think that uh you know coaching at Curly being able to do would take 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 some away from being football and I'm fully committed to, to doing the uh the high school football thing you know Curly it's fine to do a curtain and all that stuff so
0: it's um, it's a lot of time, and and you got to build a program. So that's that's what I want to do. <laughs> gotcha. Um, give me so you've known Coach Jeff for a long time. Give me a story from your you know your early days with Coach Jeff that'd be appropriate <laughs> to tell on a podcast because this is this isn't I I don't I don't want to have to change it to now. yeah no, we're good. So story. so Coach
1: Jeff. You know, Coach Jeff actually, he played – he grew up playing football with my dad. So my first year coaching, right.
0: my dad – Coach Jeff is how I old? think he's 60. 61 or 62. They're, they're,
1: they're like – my dad's a year older, so I think my dad's 62. Right. Yeah, so Coach Jeff might be 61 and my dad's 62. They're, they're within a year of each other. So, right. so, um, so I got connected with Coach Jeff my first year ever coaching high school football. Coach Jeff played with my dad, and then, but Coach mm-hmm. Jeff's son was on the team that we were coaching. So that's kind of how we all got connected, right? Um, so,
0: right.
1: just you guys all always—he's got like these one-liners that are really old-school liner lines, and he always mentions like he Coach Jeff's a throwback old-school coach, right? And um, mm-hmm. and he, you know, he, you think he was bad now. He, You should have seen the first year he was really, it was his first year coaching high school football. So he was real into it, real intense. So, um, but for some reason, him and I really, like, we really clicked. And uh, Coach Jeff is also like a big reason why I was able to get my first coaching job on the Eastern Shore because Coach Jeff um, had a connection at Kent County. The one that introduced me. And, you know, because of Coach Jeff, I got that first opportunity. And so I, a lot of good memories yeah. and stuff like that. And that, that I had down there is because of coach Jeff and, um, you know, just fortunate enough that we came back, we were able to bring him in, but funny story. Let's see. Um, <laughs> let's see. Here's I'll, I'll, all right. So this is our second year together. It's our first year at Curly. We're coaching JV. So coach Jeff. Right. Tears both his biceps. In in. Well, not at practice, mm-hmm. but doing something at home, right? And right. he tears them, mm-hmm. and he get he decides to get surgery on both right. on both these biceps, and it's like it's like the day before our right. first to curly. So he misses a couple of days because he's got to get coordinated on JV. So I'm I'm like thinking right. the head JV coach you're going to call plays. He's like, I can't imagine Jeff going to be there because he just had surgery. And it's a day after he's probably going to be in a lot of pain medication, that kind of thing. So I'm like, all right. So for days I'm getting prepared uh-huh. to, to call this and I'm all excited because I'm young. I want to call. So I just, you know, I wanted to get that experience. Cool. Well, we to the, right. the, the field where we're scrimmaging at and we're warming up and there's no coach Jeff. And I tried to call call night before. I didn't hear from, him. I didn't expect to. And then right as we're getting ready to start, you just I looked up there's coach Jeff, doing a fast paced coach Jeff walked down to the field. Down from the hill. He's got his <laughs> slings on and he is like, because he didn't take any payment, he was madder than uh than you know what.
0: Uh, I was
1: like, Oh, how you oh, doing? Yeah. I was like, I was like, uh, you mind if I call some plays? And he goes, He didn't he said, Heck no, I'm calling, that's why I'm here. <laughs> so <laughs> so, just, i mean stuff like that. just it's funny we had a story my first year coaching with them where you know this is back before they were doing turf fields and we had a field. and he slipped and pulled his yeah, hamstring yeah. and he was flopping around like a fish on the deck but Jeez. it just and then he was fine thankfully he was fine afterwards but it's just you know it's stuff like that you can kind of look back and you know it's 21 22 years Old and, uh, you know, to be able to look back and have stories about that, it's just, it's just funny. So, um, so yeah, coach Jeff and I go way back.
0: Yeah. You got, you got any stories from this past football season that, uh,
1: um, I, wish, yeah? I can think of off the top of my head. I just, I just, the, the biggest thing that I really enjoyed was just being around like this team. Um, at the end of the first year you could start to see kids like starting to click better and that kind of, and have, I just really think that we had, you know, a really good time together. Like we would end practice, think about it, we would end practice sitting on the bench for like 20, 30 minutes afterwards, just guessing, you know, yeah. and uh, talk. And that's kind of right, like, yes. you know, we, you're, we're going to practice hard and I don't think anybody, you know, practices harder than we do. But to be able to kind of sit back and, and have, have fun like that and whatnot, it, I, I mean, that's what high school football is all about. You know, like um, right. just, just those things, those memories that you have at the seasons, buddies, you know, that's
0: – Right, yeah.
1: And, um, you know, like even after we lost the playoff game, still like guys taking pictures of each other and just being emotional. Like uh, you got a bunch of guys that worked hard. For each other and they didn't want it to end and um
0: we, st- we still got the team
1: we Zoom so yeah, we, we that, the amazing. other day and Devin popped on and it's I'm like you're not even on this so yeah, <laughs> so
0: yeah. He, said, he texted uh, me and goes uh, yeah College, and
1: um bro. he said something to Kofi and, I, and I, I was like look you better you better relax before I gotta kick you off here you're lucky I let you <laughs> you know, I didn't want Stitch to freak out or something, but you know, but that's why we mute everybody on Zoom. Good
0: Give so. <laughs> it, give, give us a good Stitch story. He's funny. Um, for those that uh, why you think about it, for those of y'all that don't know, Coach Rich Stitchell. Has to be one of the most – you know what he's like? He's Earl Weaver if Earl Weaver was a high school football coach. This guy is screaming and yelling and cussing. He comes to – so let me paint the picture. The guy is literally like buff. He's got broad shoulders, huge biceps, also partly because he wears like that small-medium shirt combination. So he's got these airtight shirts – and you know he's big, buff, and muscular. You know, drinks nothing but uh, Powerade and, and Gatorade Zero. And when and when he yells, his voice literally like goes. It, it it's like did I tell you to run on this ground? What are you doing? You know, he's got he's got like that high pitched straining voice. So by like the se- by like midway through the second quarter, if either the refs have, are giving us a hard time or our offense isn't clicking the way it should. His voice is gone midway through midway through the second quarter. He coached. He was coached high school at um at John Carroll, where a coach told you that he that he went to. But you got you got a you got a good coach um, for us.
1: You know, co- coach. He he's he's one of the best high school coaches in the area. He's uh he's intense. He loves to do what he does. Um, you know. It, now this is the, I got a story about. This is from Coach Jeff's mouth. So they were I, it was two thousand fourteen where Deontay was there and they were playing, I guess John Carroll. And it was like
0: Yeah. Yeah. Deontay Yeah, just let the they let the listeners know. Yeah, Deontay Harris, for those who that don't know. A um my uh Iraton and Jeff and Stitch, they coached um Deontay when he was like when he was at Curly about a, about five plus years back. He of course now was the uh Saints um Pro Bowl kick return specialists uh for their for their ball club. So uh, but you may continue just want to let them know that he went to our Christian curly high school so, I'm
1: proud of that. No, but this story is secondhand story. So I know they were playing John Carroll. That was the year they went undefeated and um they needed to win this this game. It's big rival for us So um, and mm-hmm. you know it was cold and it was rainy. It was you know it's in November so and it was it was cold rain so um, and a lot of the kids were like, they were struggling during the game. The game was a close game, and they were like, you know, tired of, or they they just they kept on complaining about the cold. And uh, as Coach Jeff tells me, he goes, they go into halftime, and it might have been tied or tied or tight score or whatever. And he goes, and I guess Coach Stitch had heard enough, and he goes, and you know how he's a huge wrestling fan, right? <laughs> so, yeah, um, than you. so, so apparently. They're at halftime, and he's like, "You know what? You don't have to be cold. I'll be cold for you." And he rips his shirt off, or something, and and like so he and and he's got this this rock, this shirt, one of the shirts of the rock. It says, "Just bring it." And he, so it's really cold, and it's it's like it's very cold. And you know, I think for the rest of the game, he, he wears this this rock shirt, short sleeve shirt, and like 34 degree weather, and it's raining when you should be wearing heavy, heavy clothes. And I think it inspired the rest of the guys to, to finish out the game hard. But, I mean, I mean, there's stories like that, like like Coach Phil and Coach Frank and I have and been been around for a long time. I remember Coach Frank used to wear – I remember my last year at Curly, he'd wear these plaid golf pants that he found. there. He was the stylist coach of the group. And, and coach, coach Phil's the guy that runs up and down the sidelines, and he's the first guy – you know, running down there with his hand up in the air, and, 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 you know, Coach Phil
0: is, he gets the,
1: uh, the energy going, definitely.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's ironic that you brought up this, this story because I remember when we played John Carroll back in the first of the second of this past November with Centipede doing stretches. And here I come, I see him like, what is he? Don't tell me this man's got like a, a short sleeve shirt on. It was what, like 30 seconds, 30, 40 something degrees that night. And he's the only coach sitting up there in a in a short and you know with the tight medium short sleeve red Corley polo shirt on. But yeah, coach, he he he's an intense guy. I tell you one thing: you don't want to either line up wrong in practice after he's gone over it, or you don't want to do something stupid in a game. So then you're sitting there film study on Monday afternoon at four twenty, and he's sitting up there. It's like didn't I yeah, him yawn at you and asking you. He's he's probably the most intense coach on the football team next to Coach Frank and Coach Frank he just he Coach Frank Embarino he just he just tells it to you straight he cusses at you he'll you know call you you know he'll get on you like ugly on April white on Rice James Hanson one of our linebackers he's he's like coach Frank's number one guy to yell at it's it's got bleep it James yelling at him every five seconds turn around you know, he isn't lining up wrong he didn't read he didn't read the play right you know you know he's got got plays mixed up isn't lined up in the spot he's supposed to be and everything else this that you know. but uh but it, it's it's a family down there at uh Sinclair Urban we we have a lot of fun um last uh, last thing on um well actually two more things on the coach and then we'll get to the draft um, do you ever plan on being a college or um, head coach or just a coach in general <laughs> at that level? Not, no, I enjoy doing what I'm doing. I just, you know,
1: I, I just don't think it's a realistic, you know, chance that'll happen. So, you know, you got to have experience. Um, you know what I enjoy? I enjoy. I enjoy being with you guys and, and it's, you still have time to do other things. So I really enjoy being at the high school level and can't
0: see myself doing anything else. Right. Do you have do you have like a favorite NFL and or college coach that you've looked up to from the beginning and what and if so, what do you like what do you like about that certain um Yeah, so there's one
1: coach in particular,
0: like I you know, I follow a lot of coaches and
1: um, one coach in particular that I really, you know, like to, to, to follow is, is Ken Neamatalello out of the navy. So um, I'm a huge navy fan. Point you know, we go to his coaches' clinics every year, and I just I just love what he – like, he's an intense dude. Um, you never hear one bad thing, like bad word, or come or out of his mouth. I mean, he, he holds his kids accountable, but he just – he's a guy that firmly believes that culture has got to be stronger than the scheme you're doing. He thinks that if you have a strong culture, um, you know, that's, that's what's going to win games. And he's not afraid to get emotional – um he just loves he, he truly loves mm-hmm. his players and his coaching staff and you know he um so it's just mm-hmm. and, and to be honest with you like going to his clinics like he's always open up to high school coaches my, so i really know, appreciate that and i he's had some opportunities to go other places and he's turned them down state mm-hmm. the naval academy you know so um he you know he's the, the winningest coach in navy football history and and he's just somebody that you know more coaches should look up to. He might be the only coach in college football that gives, you know, his coaches staff off on Sundays. And he's just he just believes that you know if if you're refreshed and ready to go, then you know why not do it that way. So um, I just you know it's just everything he preaches is, is me is is really good, and I'm a big fan of Nick Saban too, but that won't be popular, but. But you know, Nick mm-hmm. Saban is—he's—he's he's a great coach, and and um, he gets the even though he gets really, really good players, like, but he still, you know, he just—he just nothing but wins. Mm-hmm. And you got to remember too, like, Nick Saban was—he's under that Belichick coaching tree, so you got, yeah. So oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's just yeah. Um, Alabama is just—it's throwback football. So I'm, I'm, i like, i like—I like throwback styles anyway. So that's why I kind of like those guys. You bet you big
0: on Belichick. Um, or?
1: I think he's I think he's probably the best coach in NFL history. I just, you know, I it doesn't doesn't hurt my feelings when you lose, but uh, you know, you know what I I always say this because like if you have ever watched that thirty for 30, thirty rounds, like Raven, like he could have been the yeah. Ravens head coach if you think about it.
0: And, but they, yeah, and but yeah, it wasn't started, his fault. Yeah, before, you know, it
1: wasn't his yeah, fault. Then why they struggled? So. Um You know all that all that adversity they, they they covered his last year, but he he was I mean he was getting ready to do something special with them, and um you mm-hmm. know it would have been interesting to see because you know you know Billichek's a Maryland native, so it would have been interesting to see. Yeah.
0: Well, oh yeah. He, hmm. And I, I yeah, I can only imagine being a Browns fan at the time, basically vomiting having. Essentially, the old Brown, you know, the quote-unquote Cleveland Browns winning and the Ravens winning a Super Bowl in 2000, and then the next year seeing their old coach in Belichick right. win the Super Bowl the the, uh, the after the uh, well, here's the thing: like team. Brown Browns fans are um, they're just so, so salty
1: over uh, Art Motel. and it's like you know Art did what he had to do, and you know Cleveland wasn't helping him out in the stadium, and so he he did what any businessman would have done.
0: The man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I I agree, I agree. Um, so you're a, you are a uh, Redskins fan. I Any mean, surprised you haven't brought up Joe Gibbs not once in this conversation winning three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks? You you big? Uh, on Gibbs or uh, what? What's your? What's I think your opinion I love Joe Gibbs? Gibbs. I love Joe
1: Gibbs. It's um, but I, as much as I love him too, like. He's kind of a throwback. So, like, I really, you know, I didn't really get to see his teams play live, except for when he came back for the second stint. And, um, which I, I love Joe Gibbs as a coach. He's up there with one of my favorite coaches. But I just, the fact that I could see, you know, Navy up close and personal, I go to a lot of their football games. It just, I mean, that, that's, that's just me being kind of a homer there, biased on that one. But, um, and I think of Joe Gibbs, I think, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like if he like I he came back and we went to the playoffs two out of the four years and and the, the when Sean Taylor passed away, I think it was tough on him and and um, you know, but I just think with right. Joe Gibbs, I just think he, you know, all right, I could I could still do this, but he doesn't didn't want to put that much time into it. So or um I he's doing the NASCAR thing and all that stuff too, but I I tell you what though, since since right. like Dan Snyder's taking over though, the, the Joe Gibbs year is definitely the best. So, um, right,
0: and hopefully Definitely.
1: now with Ron Rivera coming in, that's gonna that it, this will now be it. it I'm it's looking good. and start. So.
0: Yeah, give me give me give me a. It's a good segue as we get into the NFL draft talk and all that. You you like you know, the Rivera hire? Um, no, what, I, what are your I thoughts think, on really
1: I was kind of like, all right, Ron Rivera, like, because it's it's this is what they've done in the past is. They hired Joe Gibbs. They hired the Hall of Fame coach. All right, it kind of worked, kind of didn't. But you know he wasn't going to be a long-term solution, right? And Then they screwed up by hiring mm-hmm. Jim Zorn and 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 all these other guys. And then with Jay Gruden, when they hired him, I was like, all right, I was willing to give. And even Mike Mike is a Hall of Fame coach too. And that just didn't that didn't work out either, obviously. So, but with Jay Gruden, I was optimistic about it and willing to give him a chance. I thought we got better, but like. I just don't – you know, Jay, at, towards the end, I kind of – I was done with Jay. and um, But, again, I think the biggest thing was is I was tired of Bruce Allen. Because mm. uh, Bruce Allen, to me, like – Yeah. Like, we're, we're – he just uh, – yeah. What a, and, um, what a fraud. And what I couldn't – like, I just – like, I, the one thing I hate about – the, the like, you think of uniforms. It's not a big deal. But, like, he was making the Redskins wear the uniforms. throw back yellow pants and all that stuff. I hate that stuff. <laughs> like, I, I like the Joe Gibbs uniforms, you know, with Let's the see. white jerseys. They wear white at home and, and the burgundy pants. And uh, so, but, like, Bruce was, like, he was ready to go. He was done. And Scott McClugan, like, that thing was, like, when he got – when he did Scott 32, I was I was ready to but, but I think Ron Rivera is <laughs> – I think he's what the Redskins need. As order to take the next step, they got a lot of younger talent on the team. I just think that Jay was trying to be, he was trying to be more of a friend than he was a coach. You know, and he he didn't know how to turn that switch on for the whole guys accountable. Where I think Ron Rivera knows how to do both. And everything you hear about from players about, you know, Ron Rivera and how he treats them, it's just, he's. I'll say he's the best. So, he, he's a little nod. Yeah. And the fact nonsense. that they got Jack Del Rio coming I mean, in as defensive coordinator. So, you know, the defense is going to be taught the right way. Um, and then, you know, Scott Turner, we'll see how he does as an offensive coordinator. I, I actually liked his dad as the head coach of the Redskins. I just think he got a raw deal that first year. So, um, because you, you think, because <laughs> North Turner came in after Winston Bowls with the Cowboys and the salary cap bear had just mm-hmm. began and the Redskins were so good because there was no salary cap there and they, they, they drafted really well and had a lot of good players. They basically had to start over fresh with Norv Turner and the salary cap thing. And each year they got better. Yeah. And, but I just think the pressure Dan Snyder yeah. put on Norv to win right away, really killed it. Um, and I think Marty Schottenheimer would have been good too, but Mart, you know, Marty wasn't going to be, you know, ruled by general. He wanted to do how he wanted to do it, and Dan wasn't going to allow that. But it seems like it seems like Dan's waking up and going to let Ron do his thing, at least for now. And, you know, I think we're heading in the right direction. Yeah.
0: now, no, look,
1: I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I, I think what they're doing is I don't think they're afraid to build, meaning that they're building for, I think, they're building for that big year, two or three years from now. They're not trying to do this overnight. And, um, I, you know, and they're going to get the the people that want to be right. there, there and the people don't want to be there. They'll get them out the door. So. I love,
0: yeah. Williams, but <laughs> you make it to me. So, <laughs> um, so let's, let's get to this draft. Um, so, what I'll do is I'll read off your mock draft. So, here's do, I, you have your mock draft. I got money?
1: six of the first seven picks right. So, um, I had Burrow, Young, Akuda, which I got right. I got the tackle. I picked the tackle for the Giants, but I picked the wrong guy. Then I had two. Yeah. And then I had
0: yeah, Tyson and Wirth, Brown.
1: So. Um. And then I actually think of my mock draft. I had Simmons going out to Brown, which happened, but I, sw- I mixed the teams up. I had the Jaguars and said the Cardinals there. So, after that, it just kind of went downhill. Yeah. But, I, I mean, six – I mean, if I didn't screw that team, if I didn't screw the Cardinals Jag, I mean, I would have had seven of the first eight picks. So –
0: It's pretty impressive. But then again, you're yeah, a I mean, coach. You so got, you got, you, to, when you're looking at
1: good this, good so you got to look at, like um. – you got you got to take all your biased opinions and throw it out the window. You can't um, you got to kind of look at it from that team's perspective. And I like I ch- I, I changed my mock draft like three or four times before I turned yeah. it over to you. Cause my biggest thing was the first I had Simmons going not, fourth, yeah. which I thought I thought I mean, which if we didn't get Chase Young, I wanted Simmons right as as a skins pick, and then I you know because at first I didn't have two yeah. or Herbert going. I I didn't like. I didn't know what was going to in the trades and stuff. You didn't know what was going to happen. Like, I don't think, I don't think Herbert or two of the long to be up there, but that's my opinion. Yeah.
0: I had, I had one through three, right? Burrow, of course, with the Bengals, I've preached on that at infinitum. Young with the Redskins, Jeff Okuda with the Lions. I had the same as you, Wurf set the tackle for the Giants. He ended up going uh, 13th to the Buccaneers instead the giants took um andrew thomas as their tackle i got to a right with miami at number 5 i thought i thought some surprise was going to happen and have jalen hurts go to uh go to the chargers that did not happen he ended up he ended up uh, dropping way down in the draft. They took Herbert, which I think is which I am not too. Uh, well, I'm, I'm what not, I'm not what big do you mean that, that Herbert, Jalen Hurts dropped? Str- like he
1: wasn't he wasn't even rated the top five quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, he, that's true, but you have to look at it from a from a from a from a, uh, from a different standpoint. I looked at it from the standpoint the Chargers are moving into a new stadium for one. They, barely, they they couldn't sell out a soccer stadium, so I'm looking at, well, are they going to do something to, like, boot, I was looking at it from, like, an economical standpoint, you know, are they going to pick a, pick a quarterback that's going to get lots of media attention? When, you know, when this virus blows over, people are going to go over, go to the new stadium and check them out with the new uniforms. So I didn't look at it necessarily from a football logic standpoint. I looked at it more of what, you know, what would the Chargers do? They picked the West Coast quarterback. They picked the the guy that played in Oregon. So Why? i know but jay but but jay but jay you have to but also Jalen hurts he play i mean he's playing i said it in my last segment Jalen hurts is going up against one of the top defensive players in all of college football that are no doubt well hurts when he was at when he was at uh alabama you know he's he's going he's going against the sec town and he took oklahoma granted joe burrow said good night but he took Oklahoma. Yeah, but the to a Big, national, 12, you know, Big Twelve not National Championship. But the before. Big Twelve Conference um, is
1: always considered one of the worst defensive conference teams.
0: That's true. That's true. Um, let's see. Who'd I who I have? Uh, number seven. I had had Raquan Davis, they took Derrick Brown. Um let me see if I can find someone that I actually got right. Um, Henry Ruggs I was one pick off. he ended up getting drafted by uh, by the Raiders the right. 49ers of course traded their pick um, Jeff Gladney I was off by one I had him going 32. he went 31. the Vikings of course traded picks with the uh, with the 49ers um, let's see anywhere else where I was close. Worse ended up going to Tampa Bay, like I already mentioned. Um, uh, let's see, C.J. Henderson. <laughs> uh, that's it for me. I mean, I was I was missed the rest of the way, but uh, <laughs> but hey, I'm I'm no Mel no Kuyper. Tell you that much. But um, but give me All your thought. Th- I'll do my guy first, and then your guy second. Um, give me your thoughts on the Bengals taking my. Well, guy the first Joe two picks Burrow, were no you know, brainers. Um,
1: Burrow. Play, was the best player on the best team that you could argue was the best team in college football history. I think they beat seven or eight ranked opponents throughout the year. Um, and he, he lit it up. So, um, But he also had the best talent around him. So, I, you know, what what's interesting to me is that, that Burrow was beat out by um, – was beat out at Ohio State by, by Haskins. Yeah. So And then by he Haskins. transferred. So – that, that's that's interesting to me. I, you know, I, you know, so really, he's only got one real good year of, of stats to, to go. And, and But I don't know. But I think this year, like, I think the Bengals did a pretty good job. They got some, some – drafted some guys and adding some receivers around them. So, I, I mean, I don't I, – I, I think you guys need to be looking at the Bengals as, like, as I'm looking at the Redskins. Like, you're trying to build for two or three. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to do that, you got the best quarterbacks, probably been out in a long time. I think about like when, what, in the sixth or fifth round or something like that? And in two two years, two years ago, when when he was a freshman, we were looking at Jake Fromm as a future first pick overall. So, like, a lot of things can change, right? So, the Burn comes in, lights it up. He does a lot of good things. I guess they're comparing to.
0: Yeah. And it was vice versa for Burrow. They, you know, Burrow fifth, sixth, young so, guy. And he um, now he's one. an older
1: guy, more mature because he's he's got red shirt and stuff. So, um, so I, I mean, but I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I expect him to do pretty well, and and I think it was the right pick. I, you know, I know this, he was the Bengals' first pick, but I'm still mad about the Bengals getting my guy from Wyoming, uh, because I think that guy's going to be <laughs> like he played. He that guy played in the Mountain West, played at Wyoming, so. And he kind of reminds me of Brian Erlacher a little bit because Ur- Urlacher played at New Mexico in the Mountain West as well, and um, they're kind of although Erlacher was six five and whatever, but Wilson I think is six two, um, but they kind of have similar traits. So,
0: yeah, Logan Wilson. So I think, you got, so I think he's got steel
1: there, there, and plus he's a high character way. guy. So, but anyway, but Burrow is going to be I think he's a good guy to build around. So, mm-hmm. um, so that, I think. I think in a couple of years, of things were I, I just I don't know about your head coach. Like, I don't know if he's. I don't know if he'll be there to see it. But
0: <laughs> I, I, no. I honestly, I think that he's the right guy. I mean, I just the. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Marvin Lewis, to me was like, well, you never know. It's, the, it's like, yeah, come on, like be confident. You know, be like, I, you know, be mm, be right there with it. Zach Taylor, I feel like he has a. I don't know. It's just the way I just the way I get. From, it's the what I get from. He his under, he, and, he coached you know, under Sean McVay I him, when I hear him speak. Oh, all right then. Yeah, uh, yeah. In, my, in uh, Los Angeles, he was the quarterback coach. Because yeah, in my took, opinion, uh, golf
1: like McVay should have been the head coach of the Redskins. They should have got rid of Gruden when McVay's contract. Like when you know what I'm saying. When he was looking, they should have announced. I, I wish McVay was our head coach, but right, it yeah. is what it is. So I mean, if he coached under McVay, then he should be
0: good. But the but the funny thing is, Jay Gruden was an understudy. Hey, let me paint the picture. Taylor was an understudy under McVay. He was an understudy under Jay Gruden, who once upon a time was an yeah. understudy out of Marvin but, under Marvin. Lewis. But here's the thing though: is McVay. This is
1: crazy. I think McVay started under Shanahan. I think he did, but like McDay like look all that right. Up. So I, I'm a big fan of Chris Cooley. And Chris Cooley would always. He would always tell about how good McVeigh is with his attention to detail, that kind of thing. So, like, I'm not surprised that that he's doing this well with the way Chris Coley would talk about him.
0: Let me see if I can look. And, by the way, going back to the LSU thing, 14 players out of LSU selected in the draft that ties the record. Um, He was an offensive assistant at Tampa okay. Bay. Under John Gruden, so okay. he actually, so he was under John Gruden first, and then coached underneath John's brother. But yeah, and I and I, and I tell you one other thing because you brought up McVay, I know this is like off the wheels, and I talked about this with Mike in Orange County a few weeks ago. But they're talking about having the Chargers and the uh, Chargers and the Rams on hard knocks. Okay, this is this. I don't want to see this. Okay, for one, the Rams. Okay, enough of McVeigh, please. Okay, McVeigh got coach circles around him by Belichick. So the idea that Sean McVeigh is you know the next Vince Lombardi is a little overrated. Okay, so I don't I don't need to see McVeigh. I I don't need to see McVeigh at six in the morning. You know, riding the peloton in his in his mansion. And going over, you know, the four-three defense with Aaron McDonald, uh, lining up over, lining up over the left tackle, and having his fiance that speaks twelve words of English walking in with the half set with with the satin robe half open, you know, at five in the morning on the Hard Knocks on HBO at ten o'clock at night. I don't need to see that, nor do I want to see the Chargers, who who are a pimple on the LA sports radar. They come behind USC football, they come but they come behind UCLA, they come behind the Dodgers, they come behind the Lakers, they come behind the Clippers, and they come behind the Rams. And I don't need to see the Chargers either who can barely draw flies in a 30,000-seat soccer stadium. I know it's a little bit off the rails, but I had to get that off my chest. Why those two teams are in hard knocks, I will never, ever understand. Give us the Buccaneers with Brady. Give us the Patriots adjusting the life after Brady. Give us the Chiefs coming off of the Super Bowl. Give us the Ravens with Lamar Jackson. They haven't been on there since the first hard knocks back in two thousand one. Give me something. We saw the Rams two thousand sixteen and golf rookie. Yeah, I gotta see it again. And the Chargers are non-existent. How in the terrible area. is that Rams logo? <laughs> I Had to get that off of my chest.
1: Okay,
0: you all can just stick with the, with the reg, with the way y'all had it. Y'all had to. My goodness gracious. I mean, the, the, let's move on. Um, your thoughts on your team taking um, Chase Young in the draft? Hometown
1: guy, right? Um, everybody's can, you know, Scott McLuhan mm-hmm. said it on the on the local radio down here that that's the best player he's ever recruit- he's ever scouted in 28 years of scouting players. So I think you got a generational player that you know um, a lot of guys are comparing him to the Jav- Javon- and Clowney. Um, I think the biggest thing is I, I think he's gonna be great. I think he's gonna be great. Right. I just think the biggest thing for him is there's other guys that we have in our defense mm-hmm. that I think are very good players. I think he's going to make them better. And um, so I think that's going to be a huge impact. I, right. I still think that we're lacking some speed at linebacker and def- defensive backs. But um, like, I like. Uh, who's our safety? I forget his name. Um, Look him up. He played at um, Alabama. But. Like I love him as a player, but he's not an over the top player as a safety, you know. And then they're banking on these linebackers that, like, I, I think today's NFL linebackers are, are are starting to look more like Isaiah Simmons, guys that could that can play out in space and do all kinds of, you know, they get different looks. Like I just think football today is, you keep bringing up Vince Lombardi, but you know, football during Vince Lombardi's time, football now it's not it's it's like comparing apples and oranges, right, at this point. You know, it's just um it's a whole different game. So I think it's kind of unfair to compare like time periods, but um Yeah, but but in the I, I Young is gonna be a good player and I, I think it's gonna make um sweat a better player for
0: us too. Yeah, uh, Devontae of Sweat sitting on the defensive line. Um so, let's uh so what what team do you think not just our two but all 32 NFL teams what team do you think best improved uh after 2022? Um, uh, so I'm not I'm not a fan there's two
1: teams that kind of I'm not I don't, and I'm not a fan of neither one of these teams but I I mean my first team I'd say San Francisco just cuz they had two first round picks um and they filled in some needs and then they also got Trent yeah. Williams in the trade. So um you, you essentially got you know, three first round picks right there for a team that was in the Super Bowl. So, I'm not. I mean, I'm not a fan of Shanahan. Yeah. I, I, I mean, just think he, I think yeah. he's kind of a baby, to be honest with you. Um, but I think he's still salty about the Redskins. <laughs> uh,
0: I, t- I tell you what else he's still salty on, uh, him crying and moaning one Andrew day, Andrews at halftime in Super Bowl crying him around <sighs> because of because of the kettle oh. passing interference, Kyle. You ran the ball when you had a minute and change left at all three timeouts. I don't want to hear you crying the Aaron Andrews at halftime about George Kittle pushing off when a guy's 6'6", six, 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 245 pounds. Deal with it. And, I, and one other thing, quick token of um, Super Bowls in the second half.
1: But I think the Cowboys oh were gosh. the other team. I thought that that better. it's going to be tough to cover those three receivers on the field at the same time. I, my, and it kills me to say this. I, I my dislike for the Cowboys is great, but I think those those are the two teams Yeah, they improved. Those those are the two the, teams. That, weapon, yeah. that have improved the mo- the most. And the, and the team that I thought that the biggest question mark
0: was the Green Bay Packers. How yeah, what were they doing taking? How are you off?
1: one game away uh, from the serious? Super Bowl and and you need I think I saw a stat on TV this weekend that the Packers don't have one receiver that's been drafted on their roster, and they take you—you you could have taken that pick in the third round. What, why not get, get exactly
0: you you you, you take Jordan Love out a Utah State. Whose interception to touchdown ratio was three and whose completion percentage in his last year, Utah State, yeah. was barely over 60. And you are and you are one game away from the Super Bowl. You got outscored in the two game in the first half of the two games you played against the Fortnite, you got outscored fifty to nothing. <laughs> and you take a backup quarterback. And if you talk state and you're one game away from the Super Bowl, Raheem Mostert still running all over your game front. He ran for two hundred and twenty-six yards and four touchdowns. You got Aaron Rodgers sitting there, who's one of the all time great quarterbacks, and you take a backup. Are you done? My goodness <laughs> gracious. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm finished. I'm finished. This is what, what uh, you gotta be kidding me? And I, and I got Matt LaFleur supposed to be some big time NFL. Head, give me a freaking break. Um, my, my biggest surprises are my Bengals first off, you know, they got Burrow, they got, you know, they got your Wyoming linebacker who you liked. they build up their offensive line and they, and they took, um, the uh, wide receiver out of Clemson, who led the, I believe, led the ACC in touchdown receptions, he they uh, they drafted him with their first pick in the second round to uh, to possibly um, replace AJ Green, depending on whether he, you know, if he stay if he stays past the 2020 season, which I hope he does, but if he does, but if he leaves, God forbid, it's good that Zach Taylor, you know. Got his uh, replacement, um, a, you know, a year early, so to speak, with uh, taking T. Higgins out of Clemson with his uh, with the first pick in the second round. So I like Cincinnati, and like you said, I really liked with uh, what uh, San Francisco did. You know, having two first round picks being at the. I mean the I mean, the, uh, the the um the Redskins the the Bengals you know what, the Dolphins didn't have picks. two first. Did the Dolphins yeah. have two first round picks? Oh, they did? Well, all right. Well, so, all right. So that goes up my, you know, my uh, equation. But, you know, the the Bengals and the Redskins, the t- top two worst teams in the NFL in 2019, they only had one first round draft pick. And here the San Francisco 49ers, who were at the Super Bowl, they played in the Super Bowl, you know, one of the record wise, as far as the regular season is concerned. Was the uh, second best team in the NFL behind the Baltimore Ravens, and we're in the Super Bowl, and they have and they got two first round picks, and they also getting Trent Williams with the trade. Uh, San Francisco was going to be a scary, scary, scary good football team. The problem is, well, their head coach take his head out of the sand and learn to when he has competent talent on the football field, let them play and take advantage of it instead of you know, blowing leads a la Super Bowl uh, 54 and Super Bowl 51 when he was with the Falcons. Kyle, stay out the way, you know, give him the game plan, but let your pro bowl, all pro players play. They're, they're capable. Garoppolo is competent. Mozart is, is is a good running back. I mean, he, I, he ran all over the uh, Packers in the championship game let let your players play bosa one of the, one of the best if not the best pass rusher in all of football let your players play and stay out the way and don't screw it up that that that's all i ask from the 49ers just Shanahan, let your players play and stay out the way because cuz when you get involved that's 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 when you, that's when you start screwing things up but um to give you um so the draft in and of itself um I don't know what you thought about the overall thing in general but it ran smooth for it being the first virtual draft in the history of the uh, in the history of the event um first night it was way too long it started you know we didn't get the first round pick until about eight fifteen eight twenty I mean I'm sitting there pulling my hair out. You know, can, can you, uh, you get? We got to hear from Peyton Manning with the open, and Trey Wingo, and introduce a, 89 ESPN NFL Network combined analysts. We go to Goodell. You know, we got to have Harry Connick Jr. National Anthem. Can we? Can we move on with it, please? Okay, o- open up the broadcast. We should have been in Vegas. We're gonna introduce everybody. Commissioner, hello, good evening, welcome to the NFL Draft. We wish we were in Las Vegas. Da First round pick, Joe Burrow. Let's get this train, you know, let's get the train moving. You know, but they took went on and on and on and on to the point where the first round didn't end until twelve fifteen. Twelve fifteen uh, the next morning on on early in the wee hours of Friday morning. Goodell talked too much prior to the picks. I, I, I and uh, and Goodell came off personable and likable in this draft with the lounge chair, shaking the M and Ms, being in a t-shirt. You know, on uh, on Saturday, you know he you know, he, was, he was funny, got a sense of humor. I like I like it though. For the first time ever since he's been commissioner, you know I I, I couldn't get enough of it. More Goodell on the television. He was, he was funny, personable, came off as an everyday man like the rest of us during this virus. But in the first round, early in the first round, he talked way too much. Um, star for number one pick. I mentioned that already, and too many personalities on there. Okay, you don't need eighty nine people. I'm exaggerating, but you don't need eight eight to ten people breaking down the draft. Okay, when they're when pretty much they're all saying the same thing. I mean, enough. But what what do um, you think about it? did it ran smooth? Well, well, give me your overall thoughts on first the draft of all, you probably event. don't really, but every year it
1: always goes that long. <laughs> it's just, it's just the first part because you got to remember the picks are fifteen minutes long, mm. you know, the selection so and there was no trade. I, I mean, I don't know. It just, I, it definitely, it, it could have been done shorter. But one thing that I, I loved about it was that you got to see everybody, whether it was kids that were getting drafted um, coaches, general managers or owners, you got to see people with their families at home. And um, so that was, that was pretty cool to see yeah. the interaction amongst um, the, the coaches and their families. Um, and just being able to, because I'm sure, you know, this time is pretty stressful for them, but it didn't see, it seems like everybody was enjoying it. So, um, but overall, I mean, I, I liked it. I really did, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. Just, um, you know, the one thing I, the one thing that did drive me nuts, though was like every analyst said the same thing over and over again.
0: So on, on the same guy. And and will tell say and another thing, does ESPN have to put up a graphic of every tragic thing, or one, you know they found like with all the picks? I swear to God, it seemed like they picked a tragic event or something you know that didn't go right in the player's life. Right, you know, father, you know, committed suicide. Father, you know, was murdered on the side of the street. You know, mother was a was a drug. Di- I mean. I get it and I understand all that that they have to you know work their way from impoverished and, and horrible situations that, you know as part of their youth. but putting it up as a graphic and having it as basically like a talking point when you're introducing every pick. A, it's a little disrespectful to the player. B, it's tired and annoying. And C, when we're talking about the NFL draft and how they are as a football player, me personally, no one gives a crap. The player, what he's good at, you know, if he if he play if he you know if he played a sport, if he was a track star, was a baseball player or a lacrosse player, I'd be into that, you know. Right. I'm not, you know, throw the thing out there. He comes off as an athletic person that's has an experience of playing sports other than football. But I am not interested. I'm and not to say not to say that it comes off wrong. But in a big, I'm not interested in, you know, in the poor guy's right. father getting getting killed when he was 11 yeah. years old. I mean, come I on, agree. ESPN, have, have some class. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, would you like another, so once this virus blows over, and it will in due time, would you like to see another virtual? Um, I think NFL there's a way you can do it both. Future, like, yes or
1: no? I, like, I like seeing, like, the the executives and the coaches do this together cuz it's pretty cool to see when a kid a kid they, they really love get selected and they're all high-fiving each other and whatnot. Um I just think that you could probably right. do it at a smaller venue and not like I mean I like I like the virtual part where the kids are at home with their families.
0: Yeah, I I didn't, I didn't care that I didn't care for that. When when the coach and the GM and the owners doing their job, get the, out, okay, out, shut the door, lock it. I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you in four hours, okay. I don't need to see coach's kids, the wives, their dogs. Whoa. I don't. I don't. I, I. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, interested. I think it shows a different side of them. I'm, I'm not. I'm not interested in that. It's mean, it's it shows a different side, but when they're out, but when they're conducting business and it's like it's work, you know, it's a time, it's, it's the time and a place, like 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 you said at the top of the interview, you do your job to make sure you keep your, you know, keep your keep your daughter occupied so she's not interrupting your wife while she's working. It's 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 the same ordeal. I mean, even though even though it's football and it's a little. Different than having like a regular job, still business, business, and work to them is is business and work to them. You know, if if they don't do well in this draft, they're on the unemployment line. So again, the Belichick's dog got a kick out of that, you know. But when it's a bunch of eight year olds, you know, huddling around daddy's computer, you know, whispering in his ear when the team's on that that, for me, if I was the coach, I'd be annoyed kids i love you but leave me alone for 4 hours so i can do my job without any distractions or being asked questions and you know i need to be focused here okay it's it's bad enough that it that we're in like this virtual environment you know leave, leave me alone okay i'm not i'm not bugging my father when he's in his office trying to conduct it business you know bugging him every 5 seconds asking asking him what's what's for dinner tonight because there's a time and a place for that And right now that's his place And it's, and a certain area of the house Meant for business during this time But anyway I put I put up um, for those of y'all listening I put up on the show's Twitter page A uh, poll question Would you like to have another NFL uh, Virtual draft in the future Yes or no that's on the Amatel Twitter page at Amatel underscore it. T I is. Um, couple things and I'm gonna let you go. you've done a good job. Um First off, um Lamar Jackson, I got a bone to pick with him. Okay, so the Ravens selected um so the Ravens selected a linebacker out of LSU, Mr. Queen, and Lamar Jackson literally had the nerve to call him Ray Lewis Jr. Okay, Tim. Lamar, uh hey, hey, I cannot believe the blasphemy that just came out of your mouth. So, Lamar, do you realize that, that Ray Lewis is one of the, if not top five, top three greatest linebackers in the history of the position? You don't you don't just go throwing it out there like, you know, half okay? So put some respect on Ray Lewis's name as item number one. Item number two, Ray Lewis already has a son that played football, Ray Lewis Jr. So, Lamar, mm-mm. zip it and be quiet, okay? We don't know what this guy can do on the field yet. And it's not and it's not a you know it's not a definite possibility that this guy will make the team, especially with all this corona stuff going on and, and, and the NFL might not even have a training camp come the summer. But um you got any thoughts on that? I mean, he's I just getting excited for a guy and, you know, just got drafted to
1: his team. I don't you know, I don't see a problem with it. The guy's talented, but he's gonna be on the team. You don't get drafted in the first round, and get cut. I'll tell you that right now. Um so and I think you know, I'm I'm a guy that always looks at the glass half full. I, we're going to have football. You know, we're we're going to have a training team. I think I think we're going to work our way out of the yeah, city. So. Th- I so, um, yeah,
0: I think but, so.
1: But I mean, it's just him being excited about a guy they just drafted. Yeah, that's awesome. I I, you know, I'm not Stephen A. Smith or anything. So well, uh, don't
0: go, Stephen. It's Stephen A. I love Stephen A. I love him and you know, I've, I've loved everything he, you know he's done he's you know, I wouldn't be like in his position trying to make it in the sports carousel if it wasn't for Stephen A. But let, but let's be fair okay Stephen A is good for the basketball analysis and making and making you laugh and providing you with memes on television. When it comes to football I'm not not picking on him but I just I got to tell the truth. You know, I tell the truth and love him my dad always says basketball analysis is the only thing I can take him seriously on football he tries but but who, who are you gonna listen to you gonna take I put it to you this way who are you gonna listen to more Shannon sharp or Stephen a Smith when it comes to breaking down breaking down the draft you're gonna listen to Shannon Shaw because he played the game and he did it for how many Sundays and in and in, you know with the NFL today so uh, I love Stephen A., but I can't take him seriously when he's when he's talking football unless he's making fun of the Cowboys that, that's the only time um Last football thing, I let you go. Um, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski as a Buccaneer. Your thoughts? Um, you well, they the went seven and nine last
1: 2020? year with uh, James Winston, who threw thirty interceptions. Um, yeah, yeah, but they were seven and nine with that last Who's year. The Saints, and and, by and the I, way. I love Bruce Arians, so I just got to think that the impact of—I mean, if, if if Brady doesn't bring four or five more wins to that team with Gronkowski to that team, like I don't. You know he's he's got more talent at Tampa Bay than he ever did at New England, around him on offense. So, and Bruce Arians is a guy that's going to let his kid his guys play. Um, he's going to let his guys be his guy like be their own people. You know he's not like you know Bill Belichick wants everybody to be kind of robotic, that kind of thing. Arians has more personality to him. So you you might see a better version of Gronk out there in Tampa Bay. You know, and and Arians is is aggressive. Yeah, you so you you're, you're just adding up an aggressive play caller with one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. So
0: I don't know uh, do you think Do you think they qualify as a um, I think
1: two, they're, in the, they're in the South, right? Yeah, um, South,
0: yeah, Don't be in the playoffs. I don't know if they're Super Bowl team yet, because I think, because yeah. I, I think the Saints yeah. are still the best team in that division. All right, yeah, I think so too. I think so too. All right, it wouldn't yeah, shock I- me if they appear in Super Bowl, but I don't. I not not this second. Yeah. So. So if we have a football seat, by the way, real quick, as uh, have you heard anything from the MIW concerning uh, the twenty twenty football season? I think, they're, I think season? they're just trying to take it. I, okay. They're waiting to see what Hogan's going to do. Uh, so, so, right, yeah, that's true. Um, so, so if we ha- so if everything Lord willing goes smoothly according to plan, I got your approval <laughs> to do a remote podcast broadcast, homecoming day, before the game starts. And I get you, Hey, and I get you for 20 minutes in your office, me and you. Yeah, I think we can uh, work something home, out. I, I, I tell you weekend. what, you though. This, uh,
1: I really hope we get back because I think this team, the team that we got coming up, I, I really love this class, too. These guys, the junior guys from your from your team. And I just think uh, I think this team's got some unfinished business, and I think they're chomping at the get back. I'd show, I'd show we get a chance to do
0: it. Yeah. I believe, yeah. I I know they're trumping at the bit I you can believe it. I, I I'm getting text messages yesterday while I'm doing chores around the house. I'm getting text messages that Kent Barrow was sent up here hauling uh, tree stumps around his yard. I'm like, Kent, where hey, I mean, he he trains like he's Paul Bunyan or something. I mean this guy he, he's 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 I mean he loves I mean he loves Superman like you wouldn't believe him. I'm getting text messages that he's you know he's pushing he's pushing tree stumps up up his uh up his driveway. I mean, Kent, my goodness great I'm you ever you ever heard of some weights? I mean the dude works dude it's like it's like Rocky four training in the wilderness. You know, Ivan Drago's hey. using all the all, it, the, it, uh, all the new weights. It, what and what did Rocky do to Ivan Drago? Filled up with steroids. All right, there you go. And knock, he, knocked, you he knocked him out. He won He wore him down. He wore him down, but he knocked him out. Uh, Josh, Coach, thanks, thanks for joining. Thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. You did get did, yeah. Anytime, he did a good job. Did a good job and make share oh, this with uh, with Jeff Stitch. All of them, I want, I want to hear their opinions on this. Go film <laughs> all of them. All right, I, I want to hear it. I want. I want to hear their opinion. I want to hear their opinion. And I, yeah, and and if and if they're interested, let let me know if any uh, any one of them want to be on the podcast. All right, good. and I'll and, I'll get that, uh, right, and I get that. All right, thanks, Take care. Of. All right, talk to you back with the Welcome back to My Tell Like a T.I.S. Podcast. Thanks again to my uh, football coach, Brendan Ireton, joining me on this episode. Um, did a good job and I uh, hope we, uh, we will, but I uh, hope that they get a football season because I'm looking forward to uh, to having that remote broadcast from our Bishop Curley High School prior to the homecoming game getting to him uh, for 20 minutes. It'll be early October, so hopefully we can talk some Redskins, some Bengals, and state of the team in the 2020 uh, season. Um, switching gears now to the hardwood, and I tell you, thank God for the NFL and, the, and ESPN and The Last Dance because they have given... Sports pod, sports talk podcasters, and sports talk radio personalities all over America, uh, from Chris Russo to uh, Colin Coward, uh, something to, uh, and I'm still waiting uh you know, Liv Cowherd. Hello, uh, you know, me and her on that uh, nice little. Uh, Rendezvous, I'm still waiting on that, and hope that happens uh, sometime down in the future, whether it's a year or five years, I just uh, want to get that on the board. But anyway, that's not a hint with that. Um, <laughs> switching gears to the last dance, and, uh, you know, what a, I don't know where we'd be without the last dance of the NFL, given something to converse about, something to talk about. Um give you my thoughts real quick on parts one and two that aired on on the uh, 19th of uh, April if my math is correct 26 minus it this should be let me see let me make sure cuz I don't want to get uh yep the 19th that aired on the 19th of April Um, first off um okay let me start, let me start with this okay Jerry Krause, who was who is who is the uh Bulls GM who's responsible for putting together the Bulls dynasty um, first of all, he, he's the villain, you know, it, it's, a, it's not a movie, but if there's that, if there's a villain out to be there to be made, it's Jerry Krause. He, and he comes off as a person who was jealous with the, with a Napoleon complex being short and fat, you know, that, you know, was, that wasn't, you know, pleased with the fact that Jordan, Pippen, Rod, you know, that wasn't, they didn't like the fact that the players and Phil Jackson, the coach was getting all the attention and the fame and the popularity, of their at, at, heading into the 97-98 season for their five championships. And he, the orchestrator of, and the GM of the team, wasn't. He, you know, saying things like, you know, players don't win championships, organizations do, and all that sort of stuff. So he comes off as the villain, as item number one. You know, and the, the picture is painted that he is the one that's trying to break up the team out of out of spite and out of jealousy of the fact that he isn't getting any attention. So, you know, so that's why, you know, tells Phil Jackson doesn't care if he wins 82 games. You're out at the end of this season, you know, and so he, he's portrayed as, as as the main villain and and you know and don't you know Michael Jordan makes fun on those of your short and your fat pills you know they, so they rip on him and you know that's is funny but you know so so he you know and been looked all over you know throughout his life as an underdog you know someone that gets always been told that he can't do something so you know he's he's looked at as 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 the villain in the documentary um but he but if you think that he is the number 1 guy as Scotty Pippen uh, told you and basically made him out to be public enemy number 1 making fun, even when he talked about him when he was getting interviewed for the doc and back then how he would ride uh, Jerry Krause you know like you wouldn't believe um if you, if you get the idea that it was solely Krause's fault for Pippen having a bad deal you, you might want to check that okay Pippen I believe it was seven years, eighteen million dollars. If I got the uh, if I got the numbers right, which in which in the in the team's defense, uh, not Krauss, Reins Jerry because there's two Jerry's Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Krause, the GM. Reinsdorf is alive and is the and was the is was the owner. Uh, Krauss is the GM. He's passed away in 2017. But I mean, Reinsdorf, he said it then, and he said it, you know, last Sunday. He saying, "Look, I don't recommend you signing this deal. This is this is a this contract favors, you know, the benefits of the team rather than the benefits of the player." And Scottie Pippen. Now, granted, I didn't know, and this is one of the things I learned. You know, Pippin's rough up- upbringing, you know, having to live, you know, dirt poor in middle of Arkansas with two people in his house that are wheelchair bound, you know, a guy that was, you know, a guy that was paralyzed because of a wrestling move. And then his father, who had a stroke, I, I didn't, I didn't know that, and I didn't, I, you know, I first time me And it's ironic that I heard about that because I was playing two K twenty my career up until you know getting that off the you know, passing time until the documentary came on, and it was ironic because my player was about to start that little combine, you know, so about to start the little showcase prior to the NBA uh, combine, prior to the official NBA draft combine. And Scotty, and there's a cut scene in it where Scotty Pippen walks into the locker room and explains how he, you know, how no one noticed him, no one realized, you know, saw him as as a great talent that he was, and how he had to go to Central Arkansas, and how he grew, you know, how he was a late bloomer and how he had a late growth spurt in his during his college days, which was ironic because lo and behold, you know, they focus on him in the documentary and I'm hearing the same things out of Scottie Pippen while he's being interviewed that I heard the um that I heard the um the 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 video game no it's the same person, but the video game Scottie Pippen say in my two K twenty game. So it's ironic that I I knew that he went to Central Arkansas uh, grew up destitute and had a late growth spurt in college. You know, when I played 2K, what I didn't realize, of course, was the fact that he lived with two people that were wheelchair bound with his brother and his father, and how he basically had his hands tied because he wanted to take care of seven, you know, I mean, how however many people it was down in Arkansas, he wanted to take care of those, which is why he signed. That a uh, team friendly contract that Reinsdorf, to his credit, advised him not to sign, and Pippen signed it anyway. But having said all that, the team, Reinsdorf, the owner included, should have stepped in. He, you know, Kraus is not the head guy. Reinsdorf is the is the head guy. Reinsdorf, who looks over the entire team, Kraus included, should have told Jerry Kraus to shut up and say, "Pippen, you want a new deal? You're one of the top players in the NBA. The the second, you know, the best." Second, you know, the best, quote, wingman in NBA history being Jordan's wingman. Let, let's let quit fooling around, and let's, and let's get your contract re- reconstructed because you deserve it. But Reinsdorf and the Bulls did not do that, and they got to take the fall for that. And Pippen has to take the fall for it, too, because the owner, to, and to Reinsdorf's credit, he warned him. And Pippen, granted, you know, we had to take that situation at home. But he should have gambled on himself because if he did, he would have won and he would have won big had he gambled on himself and he didn't. So Pippen has to take the hit there for not gambling on himself because if he did, he would have been one of the top top, uh, paid players in the NBA, no doubt. Um, I didn't know also that the bills were that the bulls were essentially a traveling uh, cocaine circus, as and you heard Jordan tell the story when when he first got to uh, Chicago of how essentially, you know, he walks in a hotel room and it's like the entire team sitting there and he's got a certain team doing coke in one corner, a certain team smoking weed in the next. You know, I didn't realize, I mean, it was the 80s, so I mean, typically, if you want to go by that ignorant statement, everybody was doing it, but I didn't realize that Michael Jordan basically... Had to distance himself from that coke-ridden traveling circus that was Chicago Bulls back in the early 80s. I didn't realize that either. I didn't also realize that Jordan was influenced at a young age to basically be the best and be an all-time great because of how his because of his father played. I don't want to say favorites, but gave a lot of attention and had and you know every kid wants that sign of approval from their father. Well, Jordan's brother—I forget his name—slips off the top of my head. You all who saw the documentary probably know who you know who I'm referring to. But you know, he didn't. He he always fought for that attention and that sign of approval from his father. And the fact that his brother got that and Jordan didn't always made Jordan hungry, uh, for uh, you know, for wanting to for wanting to be the uh for wanting to be the greatest and I and I didn't realize that prior to me watching the documentary and also didn't realize um that Jordan played golf with uh, Celtics Danny Ainge prior to game 2 in 1986 where Jordan I'm going to s- pull up his uh, official uh official uh stat its official stats in a minute but I didn't realize that he played a uh, so a that he played golf with uh Played golf with Danny Ainge, you know, prior to the eighty-six, prior to Game Two in nineteen eighty-six. Um, but I also didn't realize that he played a poorly, which drove him. Now they, now they lost the game, but I didn't realize that he played golf prior to his sixty-three point game in nineteen eighty-six, one of the all-time. Great playoff performances in NBA history. I didn't realize that he played golf with H. Prior to Game Two, and essentially it sparked Michael to basically. Now they lost that night, but it sparked Michael to basically set the set the Boston Garden on fire with a 63 game performance. Um, and I and it brought out everybody for that documentary. Obama's in it, Clinton's in it, Casas is in it. Which I didn't realize that he. Worked for WGN in Chicago in the late '70s, early '80s. He's and well, and then of course he ended up being uh, the studio guy for NBC when they broadcasted the NBA all those years. But Casas is in it, Clinton and Obama in it. Clinton, of course, because he's you know he's from Arkansas, so they had him in when they were talking about um, talking about Rodman not Rodman, talking about Pippen. Obama because uh, cuz he's a Chicago you know cause he's from of shes a Chicago native so he told a story of how you know he didn't you know he didn't have money to go to uh, you know the Bulls games growing up or not growing up you know in his early in his teenage early adult life um Roy Williams is in it of course assistant coach with Jordan at University of North Carolina Um, Magic, Bird, Ewing is in it, Ewing, because he went up against Georgetown in a championship game um, at the Superdome where Jordan ended up making the game-winning shot. Bird, because, you know, it goes up against Bird, and Bird said that wasn't Michael Jordan with the 63-point game that was God disguised as Michael Jordan. So, of course, they got Bird in there, Magic in there, who came out. At not during the interview, but at the time, said that Michael Jordan was one of the t- most talented. This this is magic saying this when him and Bird are like competing in the NBA finals every year, coming out and saying, well, Michael Jordan is like the most talented basketball player in the NBA right now, as far as back then in the 1980s were concerned. And i tell you one thing, if he were still alive, I, I, I bet you all the money I got saved, the uh, King of Comedy... Comedian Bernie Mac would have been in that documentary too, as a native Chicagoan who, you know, who l- lived in Chicago his whole life, born and raised, and lived there, even when he, you know, when he uh, made it in Hollywood in in his forties. I gar- I guarantee, I not I I know for a fact, and I guarantee you, he would have been interviewed in that documentary. Um, but uh, episodes three and four. Will be focused on Dennis Rodman, so that should be interesting. Rodman, one of the most unusual and the most colorful characters in the NBA. So I'm looking forward to the documentary, um, at nine o'clock on ESPN. Um, but overall, it's 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 been a great, 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 phenomenal documentary so far, and uh and you know, episodes uh, three and four can't come soon enough. One other thing, you know, as, you know, one other thing before I, uh, before we say goodbye and, um, you know, and and move on with, with, uh, you know, end the episode, Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, hands down. Don't let anybody, Shannon Sharp, uh... Marcus Spears, don't don't let you know. I, my pal Jake, you know, I I, I love Jake, but if Jake thinks that LeBron that that LeBron's, is the goat. Oh, he he's smoking something, or or it's just or it's just the fact that it's recency bias, and Jordan's the greatest, or excuse me, LeBron's the greatest because he saw because he saw LeBron play, and you know Jake Jake was in diapers when uh, michael jordan was uh, was wrapping up his was wrapping up his nba career but uh, but don't don't let anybody tell you different michael jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time simply put hands down no questions asked you know not 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 if you think it's lebron either a you, either a young or b ignorant and you don't know what you're talking about michael jordan is the greatest basketball player and greatest NBA basketball player that's ever played the game, hands down, bar none. Russo, Russo's told me that many of callers who are of age have told me that listening to Chris Russo show on SiriusXM. I talked to my grandmother you know, grandmother the Friday, my grandmother Friday before the first episode of the documentary came out, you know, the Friday prior to that weekend, and she told me. This is a woman, 85 years old, that goes back and watches Sandy Koufax and the Dodgers play back in the 50s. And Yogi Berra and, you know, Bill Russell, home nine yards. And Johnny Unitas behind center with the Baltimore coach. She said that Michael Jordan is the best, uh, is, is the greatest basketball player that she has ever seen. Hands down, bar none. And quote her, no one comes even close. So I want to thank y'all for listening to another episode of the I'm TIS like podcast. If you like what you heard and new to the program, be sure to subscribe. Follow me on Twitter at the J Shield. Follow the show on Twitter at i underscore It T. I. is. Follow Coach Ireton on Twitter at Coach B Ireton. It's another episode of the I'm TIS like podcast. Take care, y'all. God bless. Talk to you next week.